Let's take my neck. I hear what I say Let's take Monique For your mother and your brother We gon' hear from Eric and Devontae It's strange times And these are strange days And it's strange people Live in strange ways So we expect Let's take Monique What's up everyone? We are back with Less Tech and More Neck This is Eric and Devontae I'm doing a solo today. Uh, Devante's on a trip and uh, figured I could record some stuff that he hasn't really experienced. You know, ultimately, the big difference between us is he's he's been in a relationship, you know, for most of his adult life, where I definitely have been single most of my life. And as you can tell from the title of this episode, fuck boy. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much sums up my uh, 20s and into my 30s. So you know, it was interesting. I had to actually look up what the where the kind of slang come came from, and I, I found a good article in Men's Health. The word was used in 2002 in a song by Cameron Boy Boy, and basically he refers to he says "fuck boy" in reference to someone that's being a faker. Um, and you know, that's from what I've kind of read. That's that's not really when people started using it. It wasn't until uh, 2015, and actually someone put it in Urban Dictionary um, in 2015. And I thought that was an interesting timing because, you know, between 2002 and 2015, you could argue it was the greatest technological change we ever had. I mean, I remember in 2002, you know, that's when I had my first computer, and it was dial-up internet, very slow you know, there was no smartphones. I think at that point I had a like Nokia brick phone uh, to contact my parents, you know, going to sports and everything in school. But again, the, there was no Instagram, obviously. The iPhone had not been invented yet. Uh, smartphones in general were, weren't around. So again, it was rudimentary internet. And then of course, by 2015, most of the world, I think at that point had a smartphone, over half of the world population. Don't quote me on that. But a large percentage of people did, along with high-speed internet. And I thought that was interesting that, okay, so why, you know, why 2015? Because the phone was, uh, the iPhone was invented or, uh, in 2007. And, um, you know, I remember around 2012, I think that's when apps became very prevalent. Um, I'm not sure when Instagram or Tinder and all that came out. Probably be easy to look up. But it was right around early 20s for me. You know, it's interesting that that term basically followed suit about two years later, two to three years later. Coincidence, I would say probably not. You know, I realize we've uh, introduced a lot of slang um, and obviously even our communication, we use different words because of the cell phones. Uh, we Things like K, like the letter K, um, U, just l using literally the letter U, you know, we we've gotten sloppy with our language, but it's, you know, we're able to get a point across still, but of course other, other words came up and, um, you know, fuck boy was always something that was interesting to me because, you know, by 2015, that was probably the midst of really me being, you know, quote unquote, a fuck boy. Uh, you know, I was heavily using Tinder, you know, I'd become very good at it. I was able to present myself very well and, uh, match with, you know, many women, get dates to get them to sleep with me. And uh, I was going to the bars still, but I was absolutely sleeping with more people online. 
you know, I, um, in 2012, I'd met a girl at my work, um, when I worked at the Fort Collins club, you know, I was having fun with my friends and she was moving to Denver. So I kind of left it open. You know, we, uh, we were serious. You know, I, I, I had a lot of feelings for her. I mean, she was really a good friend. You know, I had to get her number in person. You know, I remember what it was we, the first time we hooked up was, you know, at a bar, uh, here in Fort Collins, you know, and then we kind of just carried it from there, knowing that ultimately she was going to move. And I remember it was right around then Tinder came to the U S you know, that's when I really started pushing for open relationship an open relationship with her. I was like, eh, I mean, we could be friends. You're going to move to Denver. At this point she had moved to Denver. I had my strong group of friends up here and, you know, I was hooked. I mean, between I, I'm not even going to the bars, you know, meeting girls in person is very difficult, even in a social setting in a college town, early twenties at the bars, especially for a guy. I mean, you know, I looked very young, definitely did not have a lot of game, very nervous, very shy. You know, it was interesting that, you know, the Tinder was able to amplify me, you know, thousands of times, I would say. I mean, it's not just 10 times. It's not just a 10 times amplifier. I would say it's a thousand time amplifier because it allowed me to literally set a radius and touch, you know, be able to to interface and, and show my picture to women all over Colorado. Um, at that point, they didn't have the, you know the radius restriction where you can go to different states. It was very rudimentary. It was you could go in your location up to a hundred miles, I think, and it was a free for all. It was you know unlimited swipes, and there was no ads. There was no you didn't have to pay for anything, so you could swipe till you basically ran out. And I'll never forget when me and my friends, you know, I had a lot of friends still going to CSU at the time got these apps. I mean, it was a game. It, it gamified it. Absolutely. And I, you know, at this point, most men I knew were watching pretty heavy amounts of porn and all of a sudden it's, oh, wow, you can turn it into real life. You get to see a new girl, only this is a real person you could have the potential to sleep with. And uh, I, I never, I'll never forget, you know, swiping through. I mean, we would just swipe right and then see who we matched with. It was unlimited. You didn't have to pay. So it was a lot more efficient just to swipe right on everyone and then sue see who would connect with you. And I would argue that was hands down the greatest transformational piece of technology ever introduced to the dating world. Because what it did is it allowed the top men, the ones that were able to present themselves physically well online to capture most of the female attention market. You know, at this point, you really notice people were heavy in their phones. You know, people started listening to music at the gym in their phone. They were texting, communicating, using apps. At this point, clients were paying me via apps. Um, you know, it was it was a remarkable technology for, again, not all bad. What I'm specifically talking about is is what is actually called the Pareto distribution, and that is where you know twenty percent of the men are getting almost 100% of the attention of, of females. And, you know, and that's basically what it was like during caveman times. If you look at our ancestors, only about 40% of men reproduced versus it was basically 100% of women. I mean, it's 100% of women um, got pregnant, whether they survived childbirth or not. Different story, obviously, through most of human history. You know, childbirth fatalities was very high. 
Um, obviously, that has changed, and that's why we have over 8 billion people on the planet today. But again, you know, why was this such a transformational technology is that it allowed you to ask out not hundreds, but thousands of women without ever looking someone in the eye. You no longer had to go up to a girl. Like when I met this girl at the gym, you know, I'm not going to use names, but, you know, I had to get to know her. You know, it's very nervous. You know, she was a bartender. You know, she was cute. A lot of guys were hitting on her. You know, she had a lot of attention. And, um, you know, I was super shy. I was 22. You know, I got to know her. We we would hang out. You know, obviously nothing happened for the first probably four or five months we got to know each other. I had to build real rapport with her. And, and mind you, this was right before these apps became very dominant, at least in the U.S. So, And again, I think Tinder was really the first swiping app that kind of cat- catapulted a lot of people in our generation, people born late 80s, early 90s into online dating. Um, there is actually, I would say, a definitive spot where I see you know, my friends that met their girlfriends before the apps and then my friends that met their girlfriends after the apps. It, it changed everything. The ones that kind of met long-term partners before the apps, most of them are still together today. Uh, my friends kind of, we'll say, single through the apps or broke up, you know, um, while these apps became very popular are still single today, you know, and we're you know, well into our 30s now. I'm going to be 33 here soon. And, uh, you know, what it what it did was it, it captured a very old system. I mean, it, it's the um, limbic system of the human brain that basically controls, you know, your reproductive response. Uh, for men, obviously, we want quantity. You know, the more we can duplicate ourselves, the better. For, for females, it's quality. And again, this is just an aggregate. I get people have different sexual preferences and everything else. But if we just take an aggregate, the entire population, you know, most men would prefer many partners. And most women want the highest quality guy they can get. Now, obviously, before, you only had to touch your, you know, your social circle. My parents met at DU Law School. You know, they met over, they really met over a keg of beer, but it's a funny story because my dad actually noticed my mom well before she noticed him. You know, for men, we're very visual. You know, you know, that hunter brain is kind of scanning for opportunities and, you know, a male in in his twenties, that's, you know, they met in their mid twenties, you know, high levels of testosterone looking around. Um, he said he noticed her way before she ever noticed him. She didn't even know he existed until they actually had a conversation over a keg of beer. You know, at that point, men literally, in order for him to get to know her, he had to, you know, actually ask her out. I mean, he was like, hey, let's get coffee. You know, they literally went to get coffee after the uh, Kager they were at, you know, law school Kager. That took incredible courage and nerves. Uh, my dad's 6'2", a, a very good looking guy. And, you know, even for someone like him, you know, going up to somebody is incredibly nerve wracking. And he'll be the first to admit that. So, and then all of a sudden you have a technology because, I mean, the grand scheme of time, that was 1983 they met. So by 2012, 2013, you know, I realized it was a little before that um, in Europe. I think it was England. It was it was first released. But we'll just say for all intents and purposes, 2012, you know, we'll just say 30 years later. So nothing in the grand scheme of human time. Men no longer had to do that. All of a sudden we were able to ask out thousands of women 
at once. And a lot of people are talking about this stuff. You know, people kind of know men's, I think the average men swipe 60% of time right. Uh, women swipe 4% of time right. And then you also have, there tends to be on most dating apps more men than women. I know it varies, but, you know, two to one to 10 to one, depending on the app. So, you know, if you do the math as a guy, no matter what you look like, the odds are already stacked against you. And obviously, as as time went on, you know, we came more engrossed in our phones. People started using these apps more frequently. You know, I, I mean, it was it was almost weird. I would say by the time the word fuckboy came out, 2015, it was weird if someone hadn't tried a dating app. You know, I do have friends that have never used them, and it's almost an anomaly. It's like, whoa, you've never gone on a dating app? That That's unbelievable. I, um... As someone that has used them heavily, I can say that they're very addicting. And I would say they're addicting, again, for both men and women. Uh, but they have vastly different effects. Every female that downloads an app, and I've watched it because I've been experimenting. You know, I'd go through girls' Tinders at the Fort Collins Club, when even when it was rudimentary. You know, every single girl, didn't matter what they look like, age, anything that used the apps, had 99 plus likes. They had so many likes that they wouldn't even be able to swipe. You know, every right swipe was a like. Every right swipe was a like. And of course, now, again, women only swipe 4% of the time, so it was mostly left, left, left. But, you know, a, a woman could download, an, an average woman could download a dating app and get, you know, a thousand times more responses than the, you know, Brad Pitt-type man could ever, ever imagine. And, and it makes sense, obviously. Again, the competing mating strategies the fact men do not have to ask women out. It makes perfect sense that that is essentially what happened. And of course, because women are only swiping on 4% of men, it's relatively speaking the same four, we'll just say four to 10% of men. You know, the men that, you know, look good, had, you know, clear social status, were with friends, you know, occupation. You know, I think it was much more looks because I don't, maybe in the beginning you could say, I know I think now you can see occupation, you see age, name and age. And, and again, maybe occupation. Again, I haven't used a dating app in many, many months now, which I, I'm very uh, happy with myself for not doing. But it was pretty phenomenal that, again, it's more of just a picture. So if you looked good, you got a right swipe. If you didn't look good, which most women rate most men as unattractive, you got a left swipe. And obviously, as we start marching through time, you know, more and more people are using them. And, you know, we're all basically lab rats for these phones. And it it taught us as lab rats that, you know, there was the have and the have nots. Obviously, 80 to 90 percent of men on dating apps, any dating app, doesn't not matter which one, get absolutely no likes. Doesn't matter how they mix up their profiles, change their pictures, change their bios. They continually get no likes. And, you know, most of the men I talk to today, I would say, you know, again, it's about 80% of them, you know, uh, have not had sex in years. I mean, it's two to five years, if not longer. Now, I know some men that it's been their virgin still and they're my age. And, you know, it, it really goes to show again, how powerful these devices are. You know, I, I know we're definitely not the only people talking about this. It's just important, the awareness around it before you get on. You know, I, I think as someone that has used it, and obviously I was on more of the top percentage, maybe 20%, I would say, 
uh, looks being able to present myself. I mean, it was a uh, free-for-all. I mean, I was able to connect with girls that were traveling here, girls that were in different cities. You know, I would say with my peak, you know, right around when the boy, the term fuck boy was kind of coined on, on Urban Dictionary, you know, at, at that point, it's kind of funny that <laughs> I think it came out right when I had my first three-way. Let me see. Let's see here. Um... Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure that they have the date, February 16th to 2015. I don't remember the exact date of my first three-way, but it was damn close to that. Like literally February, maybe 5th or 6th, you know, beginning of February. And ironically, you know, two weeks later, you know, someone coins the word fuckboy on Urban Dictionary. I mean, that that is actually fucking hilarious. Um, yeah, so I, that pretty much sums it up. You know, at that point, I had multiple partners. By 24, I had really dialed in the apps, uh, specifically Plenty of Fish and Tinder, to start racking up a body count that, again, would, you know, make Genghis Khan proud. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't even say he's proud because, again, it's a very cowardly way. You know, I did it without ever having to face rejection. I was able to connect. You know, I learned very quickly you know, what a term that I would later learn down the road, the Coolidge effect, there is nothing more rewarding to a male than a new partner. And, you know, I, I binged on it. I mean, it was, it's, it's insatiable. Sex for men is insatiable. And I, you know, everybody, you know, girls that were 18, 19, all the way up to, you know, you know, women in their thirties, forties, going through divorces or just single traveling, whatever. I don't even know if they were all single, who knows? And man, I just binged on it. I mean, I had a lot of fun. Obviously, it was easy for me because, you know, I've, I came from, you know, I grew up in Cherry Creek, came from a very stable household of my two parents, very healthy, had my school paid for, had a lot of friends that I was able to do things with. So, you know, why, why wouldn't I? And along with the societal culture, I mean, I think we were all taught essentially, you know, anyone 80s and on, I mean, this has been going on since the 60s, but men and women are the same. You know, we are equal and we are the same. And, you know, I'm, I marched right into my twenties thinking we're equal. We're the same. And, you know, I would relentlessly have sex with different women, you know, obviously. Yeah. It didn't dawn on me probably until my late twenties. You know, I knew I was a fuck boy at that point. Obviously the term was very popular. I'm sure people, I know people called me that, you know, cause I did sleep with some people from work. Um, I would go to the bars, you know, I think I had, you know, a a decent reputation, you know, a very nice guy, good at his job, you know, very good at personal training, you know, very beneficial to his clients. But, you know, obviously I was the, you know, the fuck boy of the gym. You know, I really, people would know I'd go out. They knew I was definitely not faithful, you know, and even girls I would sleep with me knew they were kind of sharing me. And the, the crazy part is they, they were okay with that. You know, they were, they were okay with sharing me because, of my presence. I, I just, obviously of how I carry myself, who I am as a person, you know, I think I was a very, I'm a very easy person to have sexual relationships, relations with, even if I'm not in a relationship because, you know, I'm fun, I'm easygoing. It's, you know, very cultural driven, you know, it's, you know, kid chase your career. Everyone's going off to different places, moving, you know, why wouldn't you? actually kind of circle back to what I was talking about with my, you know, the girl that I, I really kind of fell head over heels for when I was 22 at the Four Collins Club. 
that, um, you know, we, I did continue to see her uh, and I'll never forget. I would literally, and this is, this is hard to say, but it's true. I would hang out with her. We would have sex. We'd hang out, do all these things. And then I would have girls lined up on plenty of fish, Tinder, other places in Denver, Longmont, wherever. And I would literally leave after having just had sex with her. And then I would go up and, um, you know, have sex with somebody else. And I'll, you know, I remember I'd kiss her goodbye and everything. And, you know, obviously I kept it open. I was like, Hey, let's keep it open. You know, I wasn't telling her what I was doing and I definitely wasn't being responsible about it, but I did tell her, you know, I wasn't commit. I wasn't being like, Oh, I want to be with you. Let's get married or anything like that. She knew, you know, I kept her at arm's length for sure. You know, this is definitely not easy for me to talk about, but it's real. These are real stories. And I don't have a problem sharing it because, again, I, I do believe it's it's an important message for people to hear because it allows you to at least make your own decision wherever you're at. You know, I'm talking to you guys in your early 20s that were just like me. You know, I know a lot of you guys, if not all of you, at least are attempting to use the apps, uh, dating apps. And obviously, it's not just dating apps now. It's Snapchat. It's Instagram. It's it's everything. I think they've shown actually Instagram is the uh, number one dating app most people are, are dropping into DMs, someone's messages, men dropping into women's messages, you know, trying to get attention for dates, for sex, for whatever. That's something I never did. I, and that was kind of past my time. I think, you know, by the time I turned 30, you know, I, I, I really understood I had a problem and I, I really started trying to cut it out. You know, if I downloaded Tinder, it was more of an addiction based. It was more of like the same as watching porn. I would just be like, oh, a new new woman sounds nice. I can order one up like a Domino's. Don't even have to go out and face rejection. Sweet. Or even go to the bars, spend any money, download the app. And again, at this, at 30, at that point, I had become very good at it. And it was very easy. I mean, within a day or two, I could usually get laid. <sighs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's a real thing to talk about. You know, I, I think this is the, one of the hardest parts is that, yes, you know, I would, I would argue these apps turned me into a fuck boy. I, I remember I would meet awesome girls online and I would try to date. I mean, I would attempt to, you know, I mean, we would meet, hook up, um, or even date, you know, usually at least it was one date and hooking up. I mean, I rarely had to wait more than one date to have sex, you know, so I would, you know, I was able to obviously, man, this is hard to talk about. Um, you know, have, have sex very quickly, obviously. I mean, that's, that's just short of, you know, it's nothing, it's not brain surgery. Everyone kind of knows what I was doing, but you know, I, when I would meet someone I really liked, I would try, you know, and the problem was for me is that, okay, well, they were one of many online. I mean, if I really connected with a girl, you know, we hooked up and she was really cool. I was able to kind of, you know, be myself and, and all of these things you know, I would try to date and simultaneously still having the apps downloaded. So it just became very confusing of, you know, at, at tour, I mean, past 27, 28, at that point, I basically always told girls, this is going to be open. Like I'm going to exercise my options to sleep with other women. And I know there's a lot of podcasts that advocate that, that, you know, promote, Hey, if you're a high status guy, you have your shit together, you're fit, you're, you're kind, you're charismatic you check a lot of boxes, that's, that's hypergamy at its finest. Go enjoy the spoils and, and, and plunders of being that guy. And, you know, as I did that, 
I found how it doesn't work. And, you know, that's where I, I, you know, for me personally, this is, this is not like the other channels, you know, this is me saying, you know, I, I obviously don't exercise options. Now I have a girlfriend, I am monogamous too, but back then I, I really tried to explain what it was like to be a guy of like, Hey, like this is everything in my DNA is to have sex with lots of women. I will do it. You know, I got kind of better at it. I'd, you know, I'd say, Hey, I want to be open. I would like you to join or, you know, be very, Hey, I'm going to go see this girl. I'm going to use protection. Um, and they would let me do it. A lot of girls would let me do it. And, you know, there was some, you know, we'd try to keep it open where they would have the freedom too. And that was a absolute disaster. You know, I remember one time I was dating a girl and she was doing sugar baby stuff. You know, again, this is, that was, that, that's a, for a conversation for another time. But she was sleeping with the surgeon in town. He was paying her per time, basically went down to his place, had a terrible experience, drove back up to my place. I was supposed to go hook up with someone else. It kind of fell through and I just said, fuck it. I'm just going to stay at home. Um, and obviously her experience went bad, so it actually kind of worked out. She uh, came came i remember when she walked up to my door the tears in her eyes uh, don't need to go into details but it was a atrocious experience she had and the way she hugged me oh man that's this tough to talk about um she uh you could tell it it hurt it's she was trying to appease me cuz she didn't want to lose me you know I, I check a lot of boxes so this girl really didn't want to lose me in her life and um no i really felt it <sighs> I really felt it. And obviously, you know, I never would have met this girl in real life. You know, great girl. Actually, you know, we would go camping. We did things. I met her friends. It wasn't a bad experience. It was, I was still online. I was watching heavy amounts of porn. I was hooking up with girls, you know, and I would tell her like, Hey, it's open. I, even that I wasn't a hundred percent honest about, you know, because it's like, I, I didn't want her to know how much of my options I was ex exercising. Obviously, you know, this was about a five month relationship and I, I did break down to her and uh, tell her that ultimately this is what I was doing. It ended terribly, obviously. I mean, me and this girl had a three way and actually had a coworker's friend that was in town that, you know, again, we met naturally and it was, it was one of the most intense experiences of my life. And, you know, I guess, you know, this really was the peak of fuck boy for me. I was 29. I was dating a 21-year-old. My coworker's friend was 25, you know, in town, open-minded. We got drinks, told my girlfriend, hey, we're kind of vibing. You know, can I sleep with her? She agreed. We did. Just me and my friend's, my, my coworker's friend. And then my girlfriend joined us, I think, two days later, two or three days later. We had a three-way, and it's as crazy as the porn makes it seem, guys. <laughs> it's pretty phenomenal. I wouldn't even say it's a two times amplifier. I would say it's like an 800 times amplifier. I don't think, you know, again, most men have had that much dopamine buildup in their frontal cortex before. You know, it was, it was hot. It was, everyone was consensual. You know, my girlfriend at the time was doing it for me. And because it was honest, you know, even after I remember we were cuddling and she did feel secure because of the honesty. Now, obviously, I, w I was sleeping with other women that I wasn't being as honest about. So I want to make that clear. And that is what ultimately I I'll never forget when I told her, oh, but, but I have fucked other women you don't know about. And we were supposed to tell each other because I was absolutely abusing my power. 
that hurt. I mean, I, I know I'll never see this, forget the switch in her eyes of going from, I love this person to it was over. And, you know, basically the same thing happened to the girl when I was 22, 23, you know, by 20, probably around 25, maybe 24 and a half. She, um, asked me, I want something serious. Like, like I want to be with you. Why are we even doing this? I mean, essentially in a, in a way that would make me to commit. And I told her, I was like, Whoa, like you want something serious. I'm like, you know, I don't believe in monogamy, you know, all of that. And she's like, well, have you actually been sleeping with people? Now this is going back to 24, the girl I met in person, not the girl from, from Tinder at late twenties. And I was like, uh, yeah. She's like, you didn't tell me. And I was like, I didn't think we were supposed to tell each other. Like, am I the only person you've slept with? She's like, you're the only person I've kissed since we kissed at Bondi in 2013. And that just fucking clocked me. It really did. I, uh, and I came clean. I was like, oh, no, I've probably been with 40 women. And I, if you, I, that was the worst one. You know, 29, five-month relationship off Tinder, obviously lying about a couple girls, even though we were kind of open, but not. This time, yeah, open, open relationship. But just, she thought I was only with her. She thought that I would tell her, like, hey, I met someone else. Like, no, I was just using the internet. I was just using Plenty of Fish and Tinder. And I was absolutely, like, I was having sex with a lot of women. And I, I guessed roughly around 40. And I'll never forget that heartbreak because that one hit home the hardest. Um, in the house I'm living in now, standing outside telling her this, she went numb like a human being that just had been crushed, honestly. She didn't say anything. She actually walked into my house, uh, crawled into my bed, I think, didn't say a word to me. I just sat on the bed and watched her for about 30 minutes. And then she just broke out crying probably for an hour. Man, oh, fuck. It's tough to talk about. <laughs> um, I It hurt. That hurt. I, um, no, that was one of my best friends. So, you know, and I think from then on, I just swore not to date. You know, I, I remember I dated a bartender from there, you know, kind of tried it again, but it's the same thing. You know, I mean, that one was short lived, but it was more like, Hey, I'm going to sleep around. And, you know, that didn't fly. Um, you know, I was definitely, I remember I was sleeping with someone else from the club. It was just, I was like, you, you can fuck me. And that's it. You know, I made that more or less clear to women that I interacted with online or in person. It didn't matter or the bars, whatever, you know, it, it got to a point where, you know, anyone, if I'm being honest, it, it got to a point, you know, by 30, 31, even when I knew I had a problem, I didn't think I could stop. So I made it very, I put very strict guidelines on it. I would sleep with women only outside of Fort Collins. So I would specifically swipe on girls or match or whatever the fuck I was doing um, with girls outside. So Laramie, Cheyenne, you know, not too far of a drive, Longmont, Greeley. That way I wouldn't have to run into them. You know, I, I obviously kept it very clear. It's like, I'm coming over to fuck and that's it. And of course, even that was complete bullshit. I mean, maybe one or two girls could truly do that. Most of the girls would always give hints they wanted more. Talk about traveling. They would have 
things on TV that I would like to watch, you know, like mountain biking, dirt biking, you know, it was easy to tell that it's, you know, they, they wanted more, but they didn't want to lose me. So they're like, well, maybe if I let him do what he wants and let him go around and fuck, be a fuck boy, I, uh, I could get him. I could win him. You know, it's all let him be unfaithful to me. Um, Oh man, you guys. Hey, thanks for this, by the way. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, that was, um, he until honestly, the beginning of this year, it's 2023 and, uh, I'll never forget last person I had sex with. Uh, you know, I was, I, I remember I, 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 fucked, I fucked her and then I came and I sat at the edge of the bed and I, I started to fucking cry and I was like, holy shit, if I keep doing this, I'll never find anyone, you know? Oh, fuck. Yeah, it's stimulating as shit for the guys that can pull it off and you know who you guys are, you know? It's it's a wheel. I get it. It's a wheel to be on. Then you're hitting levers. Basically, the cavemen used to hit or, you know, people very high status through human history, but now kind of the average, you know, decent looking guy is able to kind of smash these levers really hard, you know, basically take no responsibility for anything and just fuck without really any consequence because, you know, we are, we're much less likely to get STDs, especially if you're using protection and, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's endless and that the, the sensation is endless. Any, any guy, you know, can tell you, you know, with a decent sex drive that it, it is endless. You know, obviously you don't see it in person because it's incredibly nerve wracking. You know, if people behaved how they did online in person, you know, you'd be going up talking to every girl and men are terrified to talk to girls. You rarely see men go talk to girls. I don't care if it's grocery store, target, the gym where I'm at, you know, it's incredibly nerve wracking, even for someone like me slept with over 200 women. That's not something I'm proud of, but, uh, it, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it is, it's insatiable and and it, it never goes away. So, you know, for me personally, uh, it was the, basically the first week of this year, I, uh, you know, I was done and, um, you know, I was sitting at the edge of the bed and I was like, damn, like if it's insatiable, why would I continue to do it? You know, if I'm just going to feel bad after, uh, you know, it might get that huge dopamine buildup from the new uh, novel partner men get every male gets, you know, why porn is so popular. You know, the top 20 sites, like five or six of them are porn visited every day in the world. I mean, it goes to show how powerful that drive is and, you know, to forego that, you know, for one person has been great. I mean, I can honestly say that so. Oh, fuck. Sorry to get so emotional, but it's true. I mean, I, I'm saying all this because, you know, even if it reaches, you know, a hundred men out there, whether you're, you're using the apps or not going to bars, whatever, at least be mindful of it, you know? And again, I get these apps aren't going anywhere, but you got to go out and challenge yourself, you know, meet someone in person. It's not like every, most men can't behave how I behaved online. Again, it's most men are getting absolutely no attention. And the ones that are getting attention are getting a lot of attention. So, you know, you can, uh, you know, keep, keep swiping or, you know, whether you're, you're dating or hooking up. And again, I get, we live in a culture where you can't tell anyone what to do. I understand that. 
is it actually value adding to your life? You know, that's something I'd ask myself. Are you doing something hard? Are you just taking the easy way out? Now, again, this isn't just dating apps or Instagram. It's porn. It's it's everything else. It's every time you open up a screen, a TikTok, whatever. It's like, could you be doing something more productive like this podcast, what me and Devante started, you know, helping someone. You know, this is, I think my gift is uh, being able to connect with people or whatever your gift is, you know, be able to go out and, and do it. Or hell, just go out and go for a walk. I mean, it's going to be, you know, spring here. It's going to be nice. It's supposed to be 60s on the weekend here in Fort Collins. There's no reason to be in your house playing video games or scrolling or swiping. Like, you can go out and meet people. And again, it doesn't mean you need to go out to the bars and get wasted. Just go for a hike. You know, if someone you see interests you, I mean, don't be weird about it. But don't don't be afraid to say, hey, you know, obviously the girl that I'm dating now, I met in person at the gym. Basically, I was still, you know, it's a decision I made last year to stop using the apps, but I still had a backlog of women that I was still sleeping with, you know, still watching porn from time to time. Actually, when me and Devante started talking about doing this, that's when I really started cutting everyone out, cutting girls out and cutting porn out. And it, it's been a process. It's been a three-year process and then a six-month of like heavy detox process where I have really put my mind to it. And, um, yeah, I can honestly say my life's better. You know, my story's fucking insane. I get most men do not have a story like mine, but you know, for the men that do just remember if you're sleeping with five or six women, that's five or six women that aren't able to go out and, and, and find a partner or someone to share their life with, you know, assuming, you know, the aggregate of us were, were, you know, heterosexuals, you know, kind of average heterosexual people. You know, I get everyone's relationships going to look different to them. But at least slow it down. See if you can meet someone in person, you know. And if you are going to use the apps, I would challenge men to every one right swipe, you talk to a girl in person. does not mean you have to ask her out. You just have to physically go up to someone and introduce yourself. And again, it can be obviously you have to you have to pick your pick your places. That has to be in a non-threatening, weird way. I'm not saying just willy-nilly go do it. But I think it would... If, you know, a million men did that, that'd be a million men not swiping. So you had a million men go out and be like, oh, one swipe. They have to go out, talk to a girl in person, then they can swipe again. You know, that might be a week. It might be two weeks. It's fucking nerve wracking as hell to go up and talk to a girl you don't know. Even if you do know her, it's through a friend or whatever. It, it's fucking scary. And it's more scary than ever. We're pretty soft as a society. Me included. Trust me. You know, I get it. Trust me. We're, we're growing. We're we're literally living through the most convenient time in human history and it's, you got to make your life harder. And this is, you know, obviously this episode essentially is, is to at least challenge men and women to, to go out and try to live naturally, you know, knowing that we live in a very convenient time because of a lot of these standards, a lot of the oppressive things we think of, of the patriarchy and religion, all of that built, these, the houses, the roads, the water, the, the clean water we have, the, the fact we can fly on planes around the world, we can drive cars. So there's been atrocities committed through human history, but religion and, and all of these things that people rail against now created a lot of the conveniences we have. And I think that's very important to recognize. Whatever you choose to do with your life, I get it. It's a free culture. You don't have to do a damn thing you don't want to. But if you want to have a better life, you know, I'm talking to all you guys right now, guys and girls, you know, late 20s, early 30s, early 20s, early 40s, it doesn't matter. 
We're all in the same generation. We're all kind of given the same tools, the same stimulation, and then obviously use that to our convenience. I mean, these are very convenient tools we've created. So, you know, just a challenge. And again, for women, just be open. Don't don't mark every guy as a creeper. You know, if a guy's coming up to you and saying, hey, and you're not interested, just tell him. You know, just like Jamie said uh, last week, you know, just a guy that was very cordial. He's like, hey, I don't mean to bother you. And this was at the gym. You know, you can't approach girls at the gym. And, and again, girls don't rail against guys. Now, guys, you have to approach like this guy did to Jamie, what she said, where you have to go up, introduce yourself, be kind, especially a cold approach, very non-threatening. Hey, my name is this. I think you're really attractive. I'd love to get your number or take you out. For girls, don't just rail against them. You know, Jamie's response was, oh my gosh, like I'm really appreciative of how non-threatening you were, but you know, I have a boyfriend, so I can't. Or no, again, you can use that even if you don't, if you're not interested, you don't have to put down super hard. You know, I would say I get everyone's temperaments different. Everyone and how someone's day's going makes a difference, but don't rail against these guys. Give them a fucking chance. I know 80% of them are unattractive to you. I get it. Like that's, but you're just going to walk through life alone. You're not going to take any responsibility. You're going to go travel, have fun, not give a shit because that's what I was doing. And I've paid for it dearly. I really have. And this is starting this and the changes this has done for me, you know, I would wish for anyone in their life. My life is substantially better. I am able to withstand so much more in my personal life. That's things I never would have been able to if I was just smashing dopamine levers like I was before. You know, life's fucking hard and it's hard for fucking everyone. Doesn't matter how much money they have. Doesn't matter how much stability they have. It is hard. I've been a personal trainer 11 years, essentially a therapist. I, I see it. You, you can't escape the existential self in a very convenient world. So, you know, for, you know, for everyone, not just the fuck boys out there. It's just... Think about your actions. Think about what you're doing. What what can you change? Can you put the technology away and um, try to do something hard? You know, be aware that we're living in a convenient time. It's easy to scroll and swipe and you know Grubhub and video games and all these things. And can you put that away and go out and, and make your life hard? Fucking and again, hard. By today's standards is nothing like you fucking can go outside and yeah, there's shootings and things, but relatively speaking, all of human history, this is the safest time to be alive. Like you go outside as a male or female, more than likely. Now, again, I'm not advocating putting people put themselves in dangerous situations. It's a, it's a safe world we live in. People are very kind of numb and complacent. So, you know, that's, that's my challenge to you guys, guys and gals, just uh, put it away, look in your personal surroundings and, um, you know, kind of see what's happening because, you know, what's, ha what's happening is, you know, these fuck boys, men like me are quote unquote winning. Cause I, I can, I can have sex absolutely without emotion. You know, I, I didn't feel good after I, I knew there was an emptiness inside of me, but at, you know, I wasn't connecting to anyone. I was like, Oh, cool. Like, all right, well, see you later. Like that was dumb. Like, I wish I didn't do that, but you know, I kind of walked away and, and went to sleep and, and didn't really think much of it. And, um, and I, I wouldn't argue that's winning. You know, I think that's, it's not. I mean, trust me, I've, my body's paid for it. Mentally, I've paid for it. 
there, there really is no winners with all of this. You know, again, you, you, I get we're a free culture. You got to create your own stability for you. And what that looks like is going to be unique to the individual. But, you know, my challenge to you guys is, is create it. You know, are you using your phones specifically you know, with the internet in general? When you open up an app, be mindful of it. Be mindful, be cognitive of what you're doing and, and your behavior, you know, and see if maybe there's, there's a better way, you know, and obviously in your personal life too, how you're behaving, you know, outside of the tech world and see if maybe, you know, we can all just be a little better each day in my life, you know, cutting out a lot of things has helped a lot. So, well, thanks again, guys. Uh, again, this is just Eric uh, with less tech and more neck. And obviously Devonte will be back next week for another phone episode. All right, you guys have a good one. Bye. Let's take more neck. Yeah, mm, hear what I say. Let's take more neck for your mother and your brother. We gonna hear from Eric and Devonte. It's strange times and these are strange days, and it's strange people living strange ways. So expect. Let's take Monique.